Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. Hello, I'm Mike Apatra, and I'm the host of the HoopBall DFS Today podcast. Come join us as we go game by game, breaking down our top plays, fades, values, pivots, and talk overall strategy for both tournaments and cash games. And the best part, we're doing this seven days a week. So come check us out. That's HoopBall DFS Today. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Mike Apatra, for any updates, listener contests, and DFS information. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's Tuesday and the resumption games are winding down. Just a few days left before we turn our attention to the playoffs, but we're not quite there yet. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris. This, of course, is a hoop ball presentation. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. You can follow hoop ball by going to the website, hoop-ball.com. That's a hyphen in between the words hoop and ball. Or follow them on Twitter at hoop ball fantasy want to start today's podcast by shouting out our dfs and our betting teams those guys are kicking well i try not to swear too much on this show so kicking butt taking names hoop ball gaming is the website for uh for the twitter feed rather for our uh handicapping team troy devin ira those guys have been ripping it up the last half week or so just absolutely catching fire after some early game jitters here, and they are rolling, rolling. Hoopball Gaming is the Twitter feed over there. DFS doesn't have its own feed. That stuff comes out on the Hoopball Fantasy platform, uh, but they've got a show out today with Steven and Santino. They put it out the night before. Basically, as soon as the DFS card comes out, they break it down so you can set your base lineup and then make all your tweaks and adjustments over the course of the day. Their podcasts are called DFS Today. And today in sports betting, those are the names of both shows. I strongly suggest you check them out because, look, we talk betting on this show. That's one of the big things happening right now, and it's going to be our first thing we talk about on today's pod. Gaming. Brought to you by our buddies at mybookie.ag. You know what I've been doing over there that's been a lot of fun, actually? And this is uh, partially a promo for my bookie, but partially just me talking about my degeneracy, is they have prop bets uh, for basically every single NBA game. They have first-half lines, they have quarter lines, team totals, game props, contest props, they have futures odds. Yesterday, I was having a lot of fun uh, with that Oklahoma City-Phoenix early game. So I went in, and I, I didn't like the initial line. I think I said I had a lean to OKC. I thought they'd keep it competitive. They did for a while. I didn't ultimately play the full game. But what I did do was I played a player prop 
for Darius Baisley, I tweeted about this, for Darius Baisley to score more than 11 points. That was one of the props floating around out there. And to me, it made a boatload of sense because you had Chris Paul still starting for the Thunder, meaning guys in that starting unit were going to be getting good looks if they ran anything next to Chris Paul, which Baisley would. And then your, my other question was, well, which of these two guys between Baisley and Lugens Dort was going to be the guy to take more shots? Baisley was coming off a big performance in his previous game. That was on Sunday morning. He had a career-high 23 on 13 shots. Dort took 11 shots in the same amount of time on the floor. So I went with the guy with a higher usage. And it paid off. Baisley hit uh, he had 12 points in the first quarter, that prop hit. Basically, all of this to say, this is kind of one of a couple of fun ways to get involved with betting over at MyBookie. They have all these extra things floating around. I also put some money on the Suns in-game, and then I tried to middle it by putting some money back on the Thunder in-game when they were starting to get blown out. It didn't work out because they just kept getting blown out by more. But when you see these in-game lines fluctuating and you're watching the game live, which I was, I strongly suggest you all do the same, you can make in-game wagers based on basically when you're seeing runs taking place. I got a 14-point middle on that game. It didn't work, but over the span of like a half hour, one team went on a big run, the other team came roaring back. Check it out, mybookie.ag. When you sign up, make sure to use the promo code HOOPBALL. $45 is the initial deposit, so it's really nothing crazy. Get in there and start exploring. They've got, I mean, it's, it's insane. They have like hundreds of props on every NBA game if you really do a deep dive. I'm guessing they have it on other stuff, too. I just, you know, the old expression goes, what the bleep do I know about hockey? <laughs> Anywho, uh, let's talk about the games coming up on the docket tonight. We'll break some of those down. Again, mybookie.ag is the website. Promo code is HoopBall. You also can get that 100% deposit match at a baseball futures wager. Brooklyn, Orlando is coming up in a half an hour from the time of recording this, so I don't know if this is going to be in your hands fast enough, but on the off chance it is, both of these teams are locked into their seven and eight seeds, respectively. Brooklyn is resting everyone for this ball game. There is literally no nobody left on that team, other than Tyler Johnson, Timote Luau Cabarro, um, and Rodion's Kuroks. That's it. Those are the only guys left in that ball game. Yeah, they've got their other uh, goofballs. There's um, Lance Thomas, Chris Chioza. Justin Anderson. I mean, these are guys that don't play. Q Rooks, Tyler Johnson, Luavo Cabarro, those guys actually get on the floor every once in a while. On the Orlando side, they're also missing a bunch of guys. Terrence Ross is out uh, personal. He will not be joining him for this ball club. And then Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, who we don't know if he's going to be playing or not. Non-COVID illness is the listing on that one. Michael Carter-Williams is out. Jonathan Isaac is out. Um, right now, Vooch, it sounds like, is going. So... Uh, I don't know. I mean, if I'm the Magic, I'd probably just play him for the first half, but whatever. I'm diving in there with a Tyler Johnson prop. We'll see how that goes. I think he's going to take a bunch of shots in this game. There's sort of a who cares type of thing, and he'll be most likely the best scorer on the floor. Orlando, I don't think they're going to be clamping down on anyone in this thing, and it's going to be just a, a weirdo free-for-all. One hour after that, which is, I think you guys should be able to, at least if you're if you're quick, get this podcast through before that second game kicks, uh, 
tips off, kicks off, I guess would be football. San Antonio, five-point favorites over the Houston Rockets, the total of 238.5. Rockets should have Russell Westbrook back for this game. Spurs have far more on the line. And here's the thing. I said this in talking to my buddy Gil on VEASAN earlier this morning. The motivation angle is now built into the number. So if you're looking at this and you're like, San Antonio has way more to play for than Houston, you'd be right, but you'd also be too late. Both of those things are true. San Antonio does have more to play for in this game than Houston does, but a line of Spurs by five already takes that into account. The Spurs are 31 and 38. They are one game back of the Grizzlies. They are a half game back of the Blazers and tied with the Suns in a four-horse race right now for that 8-9 spot in the Western Conference. The Grizzlies play, the Blazers play, the Suns play, the Spurs play. All four of those teams are going today, which is pretty remarkable. Yes, the Spurs probably win this game. There's no telling whether the Rockets actually play their guys the whole contest. D'Antoni does seem to play his guys normal minutes, even though from the Rockets' standpoint, they're a game back of the Nuggets. They've Right now, they'd be playing the Thunder in the first round. I don't know if they care if they play the Nuggets, Thunder, or Jazz in the first round. Those are all teams that they could potentially be going up against. So if you're the Rockets, you know, you're tuning up at this point but it's not a make-or-break game. Still, they're good enough to keep this thing tight. You know, Westbrook, we know, we've talked many times about his, the Westbrook floor and the Westbrook, Westbrook ceiling. When he leads a team, they have a floor, they have a ceiling, and the space in between those is not that wide. They're always going to be decent, and they're never going to be great. James Harden is what makes Houston, I don't know if to call him a great team, but certainly a very good one. With him off the floor, they're still going to be good. They could very easily win this game as five-point dogs and eliminate San Antonio. I mean, once they get out there, they're going to be playing hard, but you better believe the Spurs are going to be playing just one click harder. Still, I want nothing to do with it. If anything, I would look at the under. If this game gets tense in any way, 238.5 is a really high number. Amazingly, not the highest number on the board. But a game that I'm I'm not super thrilled about. I think, again, you watch it. You watch the game. You see how it's going. The Spurs fall behind by a few early. You might get a better in-game line than Spurs minus five, which is the line right now. Phoenix, Philadelphia. Similar thing. Suns favored by nine and a half. I know the Sixers don't have Embiid or Ben Simmons. But look, if they don't think this line is based at least in part on the fact that Phoenix is in this playoff race somehow, amazing that they've done this, then you're out of your mind. They would never be nine and a half point favorites over Philadelphia in the regular season, even if those two guys were out. This has motivation built into the number. So you can't, you cannot lay that kind of chalk. You just can't. Philly still has a few good players out there. Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris. They're not a slouch team. They're probably going to lose this game by nine and a half, by 10. I don't know. I think you watch it as it's going again. If Philly goes up early, you probably take Phoenix in-game. If Philly, if Phoenix goes up early, you probably leave it alone. I mean, I don't think there's a guarantee Philly really does try to come back. Watch the way the game's being played, too. You might be able to get a total in-game on this one. What if it start, What if the pace is really fast out of the shoot? Maybe you grab that over in-game. 
once you see how the, the game is going. Boston, three-point favorites over the Grizzlies. And if you're thinking, yeah, Memphis needs this game more, you'd be right. And yet still, they probably should not be favored. Boston's just a far better team. Memphis is barely hanging on to the rope at this point. They did win one game, but they lost their next one. They've fallen apart. They're probably not going to be the eight seed by the time this is done. The Blazers, the Suns, the Spurs, one of those teams seems ripe to pass them. And today is the day it might happen. Because the next game on the docket, by the way, thoughts on that one. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know who's going to play for Boston, so I can't bet this game pre, pre-start, pre-flop, pre-tip, whatever you want to call it. 226, the total, same kind of thing. I think you got to watch how the game is being played. The I'm going to jump over Portland-Dallas because, honestly, it's the only game on the board that makes any sense at all. Milwaukee-Washington, Milwaukee's favored by eight. If you're betting on this game before it starts, you're out of your mind because no way you have a clue who's actually playing in this contest right now. At nine-something this morning Pacific time in a game that doesn't tip for eight and a half, eight, nine hours, you could have half of Milwaukee ruled out between now and tip, and they still might win by nine. Gross. And then New Orleans, Sacramento, everybody's just getting ruled out moment by moment, minute by minute. You might get some interesting fantasy guys to pick up and plug into these ball games, depending on who gets ruled out. But from a betting standpoint, no way, Jose. We we know De'Aaron Fox is out already. New Orleans seems like they're packing it in, so I don't think we're going to see those guys. I mean, your move here is if you're in a resumption fantasy league, you're looking at plug-and-play options. Tyler Johnson would be a really interesting one in the early game. Um, for Orlando, Gary Clark or James Ennis actually will have to do some stuff because Markel Fultz and Nick Vucevic are, are the only guys left on that Orlando side. Uh, New Orleans, if a bunch of guys get ruled out, you could look at someone like a Jackson Hayes even doing something. Can they rule everybody out? I don't know. There might have to be someone left in the mix. Sacramento... I, I mean, Bogdan Bogdanovich is probably going to have a good game if he actually plays because Darren Fox being out is helpful for him as an orchestrator. Corey Joseph, in his low usage role, might actually do something of note. Harry Giles could have a good ball game. There's a lot of plug-and-play options on the fantasy side or the prop best side, frankly, but it's also dicey because in these games that don't matter at all, when teams do have some options left, like Sacramento has some options left if De'Aaron Fox is the only guy that sits. If New Orleans has, uh, if let, let's say Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, maybe all those guys sit, yeah, I mean, you, you probably have a pretty good idea that Josh Hart is going to have a big ball game. It's a lot simpler once you really pare it down to the nubs as opposed to, you know, team with some scoring misses one guy. So finally, let's talk Portland-Dallas, because that's the only game on the board, really, with implications on both sides. Portland is, of course, playing well in the resumption. I got to give them more credit. I'll do it on every show, because a couple of you guys have told me, Dan, you don't take the blame enough. I certainly do, so, you know, whatever to you, but I'll do it extra, just because you asked me to. I thought Yusuf Nurkic was not going to be good. I thought he would be rusty as hell. He hasn't been, and it's been a big difference maker for the Blazers because we knew Dame and CJ would be fine. We knew Dame would be doing as much as humanly possible to make a run, but they needed something else with Ariza sitting it out and Melo, who's been playing well, actually, but a bit unpredictable and not much defensively. They needed Nurk to push people around and take care of the inside in a way that Hassan Whiteside really can't, despite putting up big numbers this year. 
do. And he has. So Blazers are into this thing. They're a half game back of the Grizzlies. Memphis loses to Boston, which, looking at the clock, that game will be probably in the third quarter when Portland and Dallas tip. And you know they're going to be keeping one eye on it. If Memphis loses, which they probably will, the Blazers' win would move them into eighth, and then they would only have to win one game of a play-in situation. There's going to be a play-in. Somebody's playing in somebody. We just don't really know who. Grizzlies have a game against the Bucks two days from now on Thursday. Milwaukee probably going to be resting some guys. The Grizzlies uh, are going to have a better chance than if that Bucks game was earlier during the resumption. So that's uh, a little bit of a benefit for Memphis. Uh, but they're, I mean, you know, they're going to be going hard. They also, it's looking more and more like, might not actually be involved in that play-in game because if Memphis loses both of these games, they could fall behind all of the teams trailing them. And then it comes down to which of the Suns or Spurs ends up playing Portland in a potential play-in game. So we'll see how all that stuff shakes out. Point is, we know Portland has plenty to play for. Dallas is a weird little case study because yesterday, if you looked at the standings, you might have thought that Dallas was resigned to the seven seed. They rested Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic in that game against Utah. It looked like they were just going to get run by the Jazz, and then Utah sat all of their starters in the second half. The Mavs made a run and won it. Now, if I'm the Jazz, I feel like I'm playing with fire a little bit. Utah's off for two days. Uh, They don't play today or tomorrow. They play the Spurs on Thursday, which is a game that the Spurs might very well be trying for, although a loss today and then some wins by the other team does make life harder for San Antonio. But I don't think that they can be uh, officially eliminated, right? Like if, let's see, they're a half game back of the Blazers with one and a half back of the Blazers. Yeah, I mean, I I guess if everybody else wins, the Spurs could be eliminated because then they they wouldn't be able to pass enough teams to get into the play-in spot. But as of this moment, you look at that game and you think, okay, Spurs are probably going to be giving at least some effort. Maybe not. Maybe not. Right now, it looks like they will. Meanwhile, the Mavs have two games left. They've got the Blazers today and the Suns on Thursday. Two very difficult games for Dallas, but games they could end up winning. Right now, Dallas is a game back of Utah. If Utah loses their game against the Spurs and the Mavs win both of their remaining games, they would actually pass the Jazz and Utah would have to deal with the Clippers. Odds are, I mean, what are the odds all of those things happen? 20%, 25% maybe, that Utah loses to San Antonio. The Mavs beat both the Blazers and the Suns, two teams gunning for a playoff spot. The odds are not super high, but it's possible. And so when you look at that game yesterday, a Utah win would have put them a half game in front of the Thunder and would have been and would look at a Rockets first round matchup. It's starting to look like more teams are targeting the Nuggets for the first round because Denver's not healthy right now. Still missing Gary Harris and Will Barton, and I don't know if those guys are ever getting back. And Jamal Murray's just working himself back into shape. So it seems like a couple of those teams in the lower half of the Western Conference bracket are trying to dodge the Rockets. If you're the Mavs at this point, you have an opportunity to dodge the Clippers. Because the Mavs ain't catching the Thunder. I don't think. 
Are the Thunder going to try to tank their next ball game? Are they going to try to dodge the Rockets as well? I guess there's a possibility, but I don't. I don't know what the. I don't know the tiebreaker situation between five, six, and seven right now in the Western Conference. I it, I, I don't know which of those teams would end up in the five seed and then have the Rockets, and which one would be in the seven with the Clippers. But they're all playing with fire because if you're targeting the Nuggets and you're this close to catching the Clippers or the Rockets, shouldn't you just do what's best for your team and stop worrying about the lunacy? I think the answer to that is yes. And so I think Dallas is going to play. They're going to play their guys. Because the only way they get to the Nuggets, whoever it might be, is to win. Dallas right now, yes, you might end up playing the Rockets, but if you win your games, you could dodge the Clippers. And that, to me, feels like a bigger payoff. The Rockets are more beatable than the Clippers. I think we can all agree on that. So both sides of this game have motivation. In a rare twist here late in this resumption campaign, Portland is favored by three over the Mavericks with a total of 240. Yeah, it's a big one. If you're thinking that seems like a very high line, you'd be right. That is a very high line. Is Portland really three points better than the Mavericks on a neutral site? Hell no. But Portland's getting bonus love because they've been playing well. They're targeting that play-in game. Everybody's built in the motivation angle. And for that reason, you have to look at this game and you think, okay, there's probably some inherent value on the Dallas side if you think they're going to stay competitive for the whole ball game. I kind of do. Also, when games get a little tense, when teams start to need games, oftentimes games do get a little more structured. Do we think anybody's going to play any defense? Uh, That's the question mark here. And when that starts to happen, games can speed up a little bit. So that 240 total is a really big number, but I have leans to this game to Dallas and the under because I feel like all it takes is one barely slow quarter and getting to 240 becomes pretty darn hard. Like You're going to need some big shooting percentages. What if anybody doesn't have a big ball game? So that's your betting stuff for today. I, yeah, I don't think you guys are going to get that first game before this podcast gets loaded. I apologize. I'm doing my best over here, but you got them all. Uh, again, this segment brought to you by our buddies at mybookie.ag. Open an account today if you love us here at HoopBall. Uh, help build this partnership. This is another really important one for us as we grow. MyBookie.ag is the website. They have great customer service. Use the promo code HoopBall or they won't know that we sent you. And uh, no, that's not as great for us. So go check that out immediately. As far as what happened yesterday, we can go through this at a pretty good clip because we're getting towards the end of it. And it kind of doesn't matter what happened yesterday as much as it matters what weird plug-and-play option you can jam into today. But we'll blitz it. Phoenix fell behind by 15 early. They ended up winning by 27. That's a big 40-point turnaround in their game against Oklahoma City. Thunder ended up resting their only competent starter Uh, That was Chris Paul most of the second half. He played 24 total minutes in the game. Ended up with a pretty good one anyway. But Darius Baisley was your man of the hour for Oklahoma City. And if they should rest all of their guys again, just throw that in the back of your memory. For Phoenix, Javon Carter earned himself 37 minutes in this ballgame. A couple of the starters just weren't going that hard. Monty Williams went to Carter, and he kind of woke the team up by by just dogging people the whole game. He chased guys down the court. He guarded them full court every time, somehow without fouling. It's not like he was out there taking shots. He had eight points in 37 minutes on only three shots, but five boards, five assists, three steals, two blocks. Will he play his way into minutes like that again? 
I'm inclined to think the answer is probably no. There were a few things going on in this ballgame that that clouded the situation. Number one, DeAndre Ayton missed his Sunday COVID test, so he didn't get to play until around halftime, and he never quite got his legs underneath him in 17 minutes. So his numbers will be back up again in the next one. Uh, Devin Booker, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, those guys are all going to log pretty good minutes. And then Ricky Rubio is your sort of wild card, how much will he play guy. Probably more with every game that he remains healthy. The the initial thought was they were going to kind of dial he and Booker down, assuming they were going to get eliminated pretty quickly, but they just won every damn ball game, and it kind of changed the way that the Suns approached this resumption. So if you had the stones to draft Phoenix guys for this resumption, you're going to end up getting a nice little payoff there. Uh, no, I don't think you're plugging and playing on, on Javon Carter today. Dallas beat Utah in that weirdo game where uh, Dallas sat both Porzingis and Doncic, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith had a little hip thing going on. His felt, his felt a little bit more legitimate than the other two rest days. And they ended up winning because Utah ended up resting their guys. And this is why we can do all the work in the world, and Lord knows we tried during our time off to really eyeball who was going to play and how much. And we said it about Utah. We were like, look, they're in that mid-pack in the Western Conference. They don't have a huge motivation to play all eight games. I figured their guys would go, I think, we, I think we said about six and a half for most of their key guys. Was this the halfer, or are there going to be more? Because uh, Donovan Mitchell sat this one out with a leg injury. We don't know how severe that is. Rudy Gobert only played in the first half, basically. Conley, Joe Ingles, these guys all played the first half. And so... You know, outside of uh, Jordan Clarkson, really, I guess Ingles' game wasn't horrible. But, I mean, if those guys get, went a whole game, this would have been a big one. And instead, it was kind of a, a little a little clunker where you'd rather have a fill-in guy. Hard to know because we're not told these things before the ballgame starts. Meanwhile, on the Dallas side, Maxi Kleba only played 23 minutes in this game. Boban got 25 minutes. Like, what? Tim Hardaway, we figured he would do a lot. And he did. Took 15 shots, had 27 points. Seth Curry came back. He had 22 points. What a laser shooter he is. No surprise there. Uh, J.J. Barea started in at 18-8. and eight. Things get weird, man. I thought DeLon Wright would have at least a half-decent ball game, and he was terrible. It's really hard to know. It's hard to know what teams are doing on a day-to-day basis. It's why you just you needed guys that were going to be in there as much as possible. And then hopefully here over the last couple of days, we can find some more predictable plug-and-play options. Games where, like Brooklyn today, you have an idea of who's out well before tip, even if that game is starting in now like 5-10 minutes from this moment. So, sorry, can't get that one out in time. Toronto beat Milwaukee with their B squad. Kyle Lowry sat this one out. They called it a back. Serge Ibaka sat it out with a knee. Freddie Van Vliet sat it out with a knee. Uh, Marcus Gasol played half the ball game because I guess he just wants to stay in semi-shape as a point center with five boards, eight assists, and zero points. And then they went to uh, basically Norman Powell and the youth movement. Siakam had 28 minutes. Chris Boucher, 25-11, 2-2. Yeah, I mean, if he had the minutes, he'd be a fantasy monster. We've talked about that before, but they're just not going to turn it over to him. He might get some run next year if they don't bring back Gasol or Ibaka. Keep that in the back of your head. Norman Powell had a big ball game, 21-8, and 
with five defensive stats and four three-pointers. Matt Thomas knocked down four threes. He doesn't do much else, so you're probably not venturing too deep into those waters. And then OG Ananobi uh, only played 25 minutes in this one as well uh, and had seven, four, and five with a steal. So this is where things start to get a little bit uh, complicated. You don't know who's going to play. This was one where you looked at it and you were like, look, the one guy I feel comfortable with is Norman Powell. Because when Van Vliet and Lowry were both listed as out, you're like, okay, they need one guard to go and actually get some points, and it's going to have to be Powell because no one else is a, is a sure thing. Meanwhile, meanwhile, back at the headquarters, Milwaukee, they went halfers on this one, other than Eric Bledsoe, who's still trying to get his conditioning in. He played 30 minutes. Giannis sat it out. Uh, he, had, he had oral surgery. Middleton played 25 minutes. He's doubtful for the next ball game. Kyle Korver hit five three-pointers. This was just the old man tour. Uh, George Hill had four three-pointers. Uh, Pat Connaughton got off to a quick start, and then he got rested. So you just, you don't know. Brooke Lopez played 25 minutes, which is probably more than we expected anyway. And a lot of these guys are considered doubtful because of the back-to-back. -back. So, you know, if you're looking at that game tonight and you're thinking, is there an opportunity for me to do something on the Wizards early enough Milwaukee, again, favored by eight. Who the hell knows? Maybe this is the one game the Wizards win. Maybe this is the one they cash in during their resumption. Do it before everybody gets announced out if you want, and then you could even go back and take Milwaukee after that if you're feeling saucy. Are you feeling saucy? Indiana at Miami. Miami blew them out, but who cares? It's an opportunity for Miami to sort of check out their roster with most of their guys back. Jimmy Butler returned and had a nice... He had a big one, man. He was going to have a big resumption if he didn't have to miss a couple of games. Jay Crowder uh, just quietly plugging along here during the resumption season. He has been... Uh, he's been quite good, actually. I, I, I took a little bit of heat for having him as high as I did, and he's actually been number 36 during the resumption on 13-5 uh, and 3.5 three-pointers. Top 40 over these two weeks, because that's all that matters right now, is two weeks of, of numbers, and Crowder ended up being very good. Fun, fun, fun. We got that one, I guess. Derek Jones was better in 21 minutes. Tyler Harrow was fine in 25. Duncan Robinson was fine. Bam Adebayo has actually been a big letdown, and uh, I feel good about that because I actually said to you guys, we are going to have him lower than most because he's coming off of COVID. We still had him high, we had him at 28, so it's still a miss, but all misses are comparative, and most places had him higher than that. Most places had him inside the top 20, which means if you were going off the Dan Vespers draft board, you probably didn't get any BAM, and that is a bullet dodged at this point. Kelly Olenek still fine. Uh, Goran Dragic hurting you in the normal ways, although he did have nice assists in this ballgame, uh, but poor percentages, and that's always been kind of the downfall. Lakers beat the Nuggets in a very high-scoring game. This one's going to bug me forever because I had the under as a lean in this one, and I even threw a couple bucks on it. I mentioned it on Twitter, and it should have hit. The pace was perfect for an under. The pace was perfect, but the team shot 58 and 54%. 58 and 54%. There were also a ton of free throws in this game. Lakers took 32 free throws in this ballgame. They didn't make that many of them. Nuggets took 23. Uh, if these teams shoot in the in the mid to high 40%, you wipe out like 25 points. Maybe more. That's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, so this one's going to bug me forever because 
what is it? Uh, it was Lakers shot 54% on 81 field goal attempts, so they made, what, 44 of them? So what's, uh, what's 40, let's say 46% of 81? 37 field goals instead of 44? You miss seven, take seven field goals out? Take 14 points off the Lakers' side? You take more than that off the Nuggets' side because they shot 58%. Drop them down by 10% of their shots, and uh, you lose about eight field goal attempts there. So there were 30 more points than there should have been in this game. This should have been an easy under, you jerks, shooting frickin' 60%. Oh, well. Uh, you can do everything you, you you possibly can, but if every shot goes in, what are you going to do? Uh, for the Nuggets, Jamal Murray played 24 minutes. Denver did not overextend their starters. Lakers should be a tiny bit concerned that the Nuggets shot 58%. The defense hasn't been the same. Uh, no KCP in this one, and then obviously Avery Bradley, who set out the entire thing. It does seem to have hurt them to not have that guy at the point of attack. I don't know. I don't know what the Lakers do to solve this right now. They just haven't looked that good in the resumption. Meanwhile, on the Nuggets side, you can't take much away from this game because nobody played more than 26 minutes. Kyle Kuzma looked good for the Lakers. He's actually had a really nice resumption. He might play his way into a needlessly high draft pick next year again. Anywho. I don't know, man. I I get it. Uh, Where is Kuz in the resumption before we take this thing apart Kyle Kuzma's at 58 wow I am barely even I don't even think we had him on our draft board oops guess I should have didn't see him actually playing somewhat well coming it doesn't matter because very few people did and if you had him great but that's the silliness of the resumption you know you like you look at all this stuff TJ Warren he was one of those guys we had near the top Porzingis by the way is number four on a per game basis now Damian Lillard but like we we did really well with the top guys, but there's just so much uncertainty. Chris Paul, Paul George, Rob Covington, Van Vliet. I'm gonna look at this. And I'm gonna say we had a lot of wins, but if someone accidentally tumbles into a couple of other ones, then what are you gonna do? And a couple guys might just not play three or four games. Oh well, we're having some fun. That's what's important. By the way, if you want to have some more fun, check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Manscaped.com with promo code HOOPBALL20. Get 20% off and free shipping on your lawnmower 3.0. Took them 18 months to get it right, and they did. The 3.0 is the upgraded 2.0, if you didn't follow that logic. With built-in LED light, a charging stand, waterproof technology, and 75 RPMs, plus a 90-minute battery life. I don't know why the hell you need to be grooming yourself for 90 minutes. Who the bleep has 90 straight minutes to shave themselves? Like, it's not that hard to just throw it on the charging station in between. But I get it. You know what? Maybe it is. Maybe you need it like 10 times, and 8 times in a row, you forgot to charge it. Well, guess what? The ninth time, it's still going to work on your 10-minute self-grooming blitz. But you better charge it after that one. Regardless, it's a great product. Go check it out. Manscaped.com. Promo code is HOOPBALL20. Want to keep moving these bad boys Keep Manscaped on board with us here at Fantasy NBA Today and HoopBall. And this is how we build our contingent of partners long-term with your help. Other thing, I I really refrain from doing this very much, but if you have a moment, please drop a five-star review on the podcast, particularly on iTunes. If you want to write something nice, that's great. Uh, But let's get those five-star reviews and subscriptions. Please do subscribe to the podcast. That's part of what 
elevates us. And this is all a big deal because it's almost like we're storing up for hibernation. We're storing up our nuts for the winter. Maybe I should have picked a different metaphor. So the nuts we're storing are reviews and subscriptions. You guys reviewing it with five stars, leaving nice feedback, and subscribing to the pod. It's all a big deal because when the hot season comes around, which is basically starting about a month before uh, opening night, whenever the hell that turns out to be. If it's December, a month before would be sometime in November. And it runs through about, most years it runs through about February. So the hot spell for us is September through February, most years. This year it'll get pushed back two or three months. That's when everybody's searching. Well, actually, you know what? I can squeeze it down. When people are searching for their podcast is generally September, October, November. It's a three-month window, month before the season to about a month after. It's really more like a two-and-a-half, two to two-and-a-half-month window. So it's like mid-September to mid-November. So whenever that happens to be this year, it might be mid-November to mid-January, whatever it is. That's the time when a lot of folks are searching for their their fantasy podcast. Folks that uh, are getting into it for the first time or deciding they want to have a little more research under their belt they're like oh what show can i listen to on my drive whatever while i'm exercising they plug in fantasy nba the way we come up at the top of that list when they search is by having a lot of banked reviews and subscriptions if a lot of people have already subscribed to this show and given it a five-star review then it'll come up higher when other people are looking for it because itunes algorithm will say oh this show is well listened to and generally liked. So I do need your help on that. If you have a second, please drop a five-star review on the pod and subscribe. It'll be a big deal to us probably in November or December of this year. Thanks for listening. As always, everybody, this is your Tuesday edition of Fantasy NBA Today in the books. Back with you tomorrow, Wednesday. We'll do it all over again. And we'll start taking a little bit of a peek towards the playoffs, even though we still have no idea what's going on at the bottom of the Western Conference. I am Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Hit me up if you want to be a part of our teams over here at HoopBall. And with that, I bid you all adieu. This has been a HoopBall presentation.